2: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can always check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, how are you doing
3: this week? Doing really great, right? Like, we come off the week, the Packers get the win against the Bears, they become the winningest franchise in league history, and then we get some time off. We we get to reflect a little bit this week, and I alluded to this last week, but I had an idea for us to use the bye week as a way for us to preview what the offseason could, I will emphasize, could look like. Here is my list of caveats, all right? Number one, we are aware they are not eliminated from the postseason, and I don't like expect the Packers to go on a crazy run, but you never actually know, right? They could win four straight and then make, make this whole conversation look foolish. Number two, I don't think all of this happens, but the idea is to do a thought exercise where we explore some options that the Packers have, Number three, I know it is a very realistic possibility that Aaron Rodgers may return. There's a lot that's been said this week, right? From Rodgers himself to Kunst and Matt LaFleur, that would certainly change most of what we're talking about. That changes the equation, certainly. But again, these are just options. They're just possibilities. Uh, Number four. The numbers are calculated using track, which I know is not always perfect, but the idea isn't to be exact, but to kind of get a general idea of how any of these moves would affect Green Bay's salary cap situation. And number five, this is mostly just to get Kyle's honest reaction to my crazy ideas, but (laughs) if you have some thoughts on this, please feel free to share them on Twitter. Or in the comments, however you're listening to the show. We'd love to hear those. Maybe you have some crazy ideas. Maybe you agree with what I'm saying. Maybe you think I'm an idiot. But i uh, <laughs> love to hear feedback on on shows like today.
2: Yeah, I'm excited about this conversation. Andrew has been building this show since, I don't know, man, like probably the Giants loss just because it's been a while. It's been a while. We're roster building nerds, right? We live for this stuff. So even when the regular season hasn't gone according to plan, there's always fun in looking ahead to what excitement and chaos the next off season could bring. And it certainly looks like it's going to be a fun one that we've got coming up. Uh, So let's get into this, Andrew. Lots of things to sort through. I'm excited just to
3: see how crazy this gets. Yeah. So first of all, we need to really set up where the Packers are going to be entering the off season and they are set to start with negative $2.1 million in cap space, right? Not obviously that is not (laughs) going to work proceeding forward. So they have some tough decisions to make before they even consider free agency. But I do think it's important to know who they might want slash need to resign. So let's go through this list of free agents kind of quickly. I'm going to give my very quick thoughts on like yes or no. Uh, Safety Adrian Amos. He's a no to me. Uh, wide receiver, Randall Cobb. Again, I don't think uh, he should be brought back, especially not considering what he's making. Defensive lineman, Dean Lowry. I I think no here, but this does get a little bit more complex. The Packers moved some money around in his contract, which I think kind of hurts him moving on. But um, we'll, we'll talk. It, it pushes more guaranteed money into the future. Kicker, Mason Crosby. I would say no, given his performance and age. Wide receiver Alan Lazard, uh, yes, absolutely, but I do happen to think that Lazard has priced himself out of what the Packers are going to be able to afford. Tight end Robert Tunyon, I think no unless he's going to come back on another one-year sweetheart deal. Uh, defense lineman Jerron Reed, I think he's been fine, but given what we're going to be moving through as we, we analyze this roster, I would say no at this point. Tight end Mercedes Lewis, again, no. Wide receiver Sammy Watkins, no. And then offensive lineman Elton Jenkins, and only if they can move some pieces really quickly will Elton be back because this is kind of a complex situation. His play this year has not quite met what the asking price likely will be. But as he's gotten healthier, he's become better and better and better. And like his performance lately has been fantastic. Um, despite some struggles early, coming back from that ACL injury, uh, safety Dallin Levitt, I would say yes if the price is right. Same thing with cornerback Keyshawn Nixon, and then uh, tackle Yash Nyman. I think Yash is actually a restricted free agent, so to me, that's a no-brainer. You just slap a, a a number on him and and make sure that no team's willing to give up a draft pick to to compensate you for that
2: yeah, absolutely. This is a pretty good list. I think I think we're in agreement on a lot of these things. Um, you promised me crazy stuff, Andrew. so I'm gonna wait. I know it's gonna get wilder as we work through this. But uh, there are a few names that really jump out to me that you mentioned Lazard is the first big one because I'm totally with you that I think that there's going to be a market for him around the NFL. But I also think that there's a chance that he's more valuable to the Green Bay Packers (laughs) than he is to any other team. So it's going to be interesting. That doesn't mean that Green Bay is going to be willing to write him the biggest check, but it's going to be an interesting one to watch because let's assume Green Bay adds one more wide receiver to the mix with Watson and Dobbs Lazard would be an incredible wide receiver for, right? Someone that you can trust, absolutely. He can play outside, he can play big slot, and he's nearly kind of to the level of a tight end almost, right? As a blocker. And so he's going to be hard to let go of for this coaching staff in particular because of the way that they love to play and what he brings to the table. So it's not going to be easy to keep him, but I think that they'll try. I don't know if they'll succeed. It's going to be tough. Um, The other interesting one here is Elton Jenkins because I do think that he gets paid for the player that he was pre-injury, or at least close to that dollar amount, and this is why. He's Brian Gutekind's pick, who was a massive hit as a second-round pick, right? Goody is going to be really proud to keep one of those guys and a player that he identified and got in the draft like that. Uh, Jenkins is also one of the more versatile offensive linemen in the game, and it could be tempting to lowball a guy after a below-average year, I guess you could say, (laughs) But if you do that, you probably dig your own grave there because someone is going to pay this guy. He's just that good. And because players like Elton Jenkins, they just don't grow on trees. Everybody, every team in the league is looking for this guy. And you know who needs offensive line help? This is going to kill me. But I was thinking about this today. The Chicago Bears. They need a lot of offensive line help. You know who knows that Elton Jenkins is good? Luke Getzey. And it's going to be interesting because if the Packers don't budget for a player like Jenkins, a team like the Bears, it could be anybody. But let's say, I mean, it's a realistic possibility. The Bears could be the team to swoop in in that scenario. And that would be a tough pill to swallow to see a player like that go to Chicago. But, um, you know, we always hear GMs like Gutekunst say that they want to keep their guys. But in general, I agree that it's going to be really difficult for the Packers to retain a lot of these guys this offseason and they're gonna to have to make some really difficult decisions starting with guys like Lazard
3: and like Elton Jenkins. And you know who's gonna be entering the offseason with about $120 million in cap space? The, the Chicago, Chicago Bears. Bears. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely so yeah I mean the Packers certainly they're they're gonna to need to create some cap room in order to try to fit an Elton Jenkins and Alan Lazard under the cap. Not even mentioning guys like Keyshawn Nixon, uh, Dallin Levitt, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, that, that they're certainly going to want to keep around if they can. And so, one of the things that that I wanted to dive into is trade candidates. Now, we don't see the Packers trade very often, right? In in any capacity. Of course, we saw the big one with Devontae Adams this past offseason. Um, but outside of that, it's it's hard to remember many big trades um, in recent memory. And so. Would the Packers be open to that? Could they use that to attain some draft capital, to create a little bit of flexibility under the cap? And, and I just wanted to go down that road. Now, all of this is assuming that the Packers brass is deciding to move on from Aaron Rodgers and then either give the reins to Jordan Love or move on to a rookie quarterback. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. So obviously, uh, if you're going to do that, the person you start with is quarterback Aaron Rodgers. And so for the Packers, if they make a post-June 1st trade, they'd end up with a $15 million dead cap uh, for 2023 and a $24 million dead cap for 2024. But what that does is it actually saves you $15 million in 23. So the problem there is if you trade Rogers post-June 1st, you're not going to be able to acquire the 2023 draft capital, yeah, right? You're going to yeah. be trading for picks even further down the line, right, yeah. um, which might be okay. Uh, Rogers does acquire a cap hit of a little over $8 million if you trade him uh, immediately. So like, it, it's negative $8 million, so you mm. dig yourself an even deeper hole if you do that for 2023 picks. Uh, But potentially you could could make that money up elsewhere and then not face the the problems in 2024. And so for me, the return on him, um, you know, he's a 39-year-old quarterback. He's coming off of kind of a rough year. I think you're looking at maybe a first and a third round pick. He still was the two-time MVP going back, you know, three seasons. He's won two of the last three MVPs. Um, and there's probably an all-in team who might be willing to pay more than a first and a third, but I want to be really conservative in this exercise, and the cap implications are another problem for a trade partner. Rogers also has to be willing to agree to play for the new team, so that limits the market and probably reduces the return. And then again, like... We did say the same thing about Russell Wilson in that trade package uh, was absolutely absurd. Looks even, you know, I mean, it it looked like a lot to give up at the time. Now it, it looks like a catastrophe, but um, for a team that is a quarterback away, I think they can look to Tom Brady in Tampa and Brady did not look awesome in his last year in new England. I don't know if people remember that, but he was having a rough go of it. And Rogers performance was probably better than we think this season And then, you know, both camps can really point towards the thumb injury and now the ribs as the excuse for any inaccuracy.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting, obviously, when you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, it just, there's the emotional piece of this, as much as we are ready, I think, to move on to a love era. I mean, we have been Packers fans forever. We've appreciated the player that Aaron Rodgers is, but this is just an exercise, right, to see where this goes. Obviously, the financials are going to be really interesting, and what What does Rodgers really want? That's going to be the question that we ponder throughout at least the beginning of this offseason, right? But yeah, if you can get a premium pick for Rodgers, I think you do it in this stage of the franchise that the Packers are in. Not so much because Rodgers is cooked, but because I think love is ready, or at least it feels like this team perceives that Love can be ready and that they want him to be the guy. It might be hard to keep both of these guys, Love and Rodgers, on the roster in 2023. You talk about like how tight the cap is. That's going to be a factor. If I'm being predictive, I think Goody would be happy to have Rodgers back in Green Bay in 2023 if it means that he can keep Love as well and then move on to Love in 2024. I think he'd be happy to kind of get both worlds there, right? But if Love doesn't want to wait another year and that relationship between Love and the Packers starts to get a little bit tense, thinking like, listen, like I've been patient this whole time. When, when am I going to get my shot? I think Goody will push to move Rodgers to kind of clear the way for Love. I mean, it could be a painful process, but that may happen. Fans may not like it. But Goody basically told us he's picking up the fifth-year option here for Love. Good's intent is for Love to be the next quarterback for the Packers. He believes that that is possible, and if that plan starts to get messy, I think we could see them speed the process up with this Rodgers trade that you're talking about, and anything that gets you a first-round pick in what you're assuming is the very end of Rodgers' career, if you can get that pick and invest it elsewhere to help your team, I think that's a good value, and I think you have to consider it.
3: Yeah, and I I mean you you made a really good point. Rogers has to agree to it, right? Yeah. Um and, and that's something that's gonna be a, a big factor in does he wanna retire? Uh does he only wanna play if he's in Green Bay, or yeah. would he maybe look at that next challenge as many other quarterbacks have done and and see mm-hmm. what kind of success he can have? You know, a la, Joe Montana and Tom Brady and uh, you know, even to an extent, Matt Stafford and yeah, and, uh-huh. and those sorts of players. So, um, the next player I want to talk about is David Bakhtiari, and you know, the Packers could do a pre June first trade with him and gain almost six million dollars in cap space, or they could do a post June first trade and gain seventeen million dollars in cap space. But then they're committing eleven million dollars to a cap charge in twenty twenty four. You know, either of those options work. Again, the big difference there is if you if you kind of bite the bullet in 2023, if you can afford to do that and still keep your roster relatively intact, it saves you from those big cap charges down the line. Um, As far as a trade return, I think this has been a a little bit of a controversial one. I know Andy talked about it a week or two ago um, and talked about maybe cutting Bakhtiari or maybe only getting a late round pick. I, I take a little bit different perspective here. He's, you know, Bakhtiari is going to be 32, but we know offense tackles can play deep in their 30s. We've we've seen it. He has largely recovered from the ACL. I, I know the appendicitis has like thrown a, a wrench in this whole thing. Um, but he was playing really, really effectively prior to that and starting to play every snap of the game. So I think a decent amount of his value has returned. I personally think that if Bakhtiari had like just kind of continued on his normal trajectory, the Packers might have been able to pull a first-round pick out of somebody. Now, maybe that's like way too rose-colored glasses. For the sake of this exercise, I think you can get a day-two pick every day of the week for a player like David Bakhtiari. We, we saw the Washington football team give away Trent Williams for a fifth. And do you think they regret that now? Like, I would say so, and that was yeah. after him not playing for a full year. So I, I think I think a day-two pick is kind of the minimum. I would say a second, but, you know, we, we would have to see what the Packers can get. So Brian Gutekunst addressed the media last week,
2: and his comments about Bakhtiari were really, really interesting to me. He said that Bakhtiari is playing at a very, very high level. Left tackles don't grow on trees. That was the quote, right? But then he also went on to say that Bach will be, quote, Another offseason decision. And the fact that he's acknowledging that it's going to be a discussion is kind of revealing, right? It's not out of the question that Bakhtiari has played his last nap as a Packer, which is sad. Obviously, this is the hard part of all this is we love all these players. But this is just where we are. I do kind of wonder if Bakhtiari is a move that's tied to a Rodgers move. And you mentioned potentially getting a first-round pick, but settling for kind of like a second, it's interesting because if they trade him before the draft the cap relief isn't quite as good, right? So you're potentially looking at sending him post-draft to a contender who wasn't able to kind of get their tackle in the draft or in free agency. Those plans fell through. And so I just wonder if that late in the process, you're going to have to settle for a little less in trade compensation. Um, But, I mean, it is really interesting because we know the elite player that Bakhtiari is, has been, and he has that name pedigree as well. It's not like he's a no-name who's a good player. He is – kind of the face of the tackle position in the NFL in a lot of ways or has been so it will be interesting to see what he could fetch but that quote from Brian Brian Gutekunst saying he's going to be another offseason decision I think paints the entire picture of how this offseason is going to go and in some ways how painful it's going to be but just how much even a player like Bakhtiari is going to be in that conversation that's going to be really interesting to watch
3: Yeah, and if the Packers did decide to do, you know, a post-June first trade, they could get really creative with another team and say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna take a, a third round pick in twenty twenty four, which is essentially the equivalent of a little fourth and twenty-three, mm-hmm. but that third rounder can turn all the way into a first depending on a bunch of different metrics. Okay, yeah. And they could say, Okay, well, if he plays a certain amount of games, that escalates to a second. If he plays at a you yeah. know Pro Bowl level, it escalates yeah. to a first or something like yeah,
2: that. Yeah, a conditional um, pick
3: makes a ton of sense actually. I hadn't thought about that but like we see that all the time
2: with with trades nowadays like I feel like a player with that injury history like a team that's saying we want to take a gamble on David Bakhtiari help us out with this conditional I feel like that makes
3: a ton of sense I'm glad you said that that makes sense yeah, and I, you know, as you mentioned, a much bigger cap savings if you're willing to do that post-June 1st. Just for the sake of the exercise, I wanted to to discuss all the different options. Um, the next one I'm going to talk about, this is a, a little out of left field, but uh, defense lineman Kenny Clark. Uh, a pre-June 1st trade would net the Packers $3 million in cap space. Not that much, uh, but a post-June 1st trade gets them $16 million in 23, but then a $13 million dead cap charge in 24. So... You know the return normally. Like when when I had originally thought of this, I was thinking like this is going to have to be a king's ransom kind of trade because you're trading a 28 year old dominant nose tackle uh, who has versatility, right? Great run stuffer, but also generates pass rush. Mm. I thought really like you might be able to get a first plus something, but positional value is going to be a problem on mm. getting a return anyways, and. Kenny Clark has not looked his usual dominant self, at least down the stretch. And I lean a little bit more towards like a day two pick like a second rounder in return if the Packers were to do this. Man,
2: I'd say I'm completely out on this. And there's there's a couple of reasons why. First, I feel like this makes sense only if the Packers are just so stuck in salary cap hell that they just cannot recover right because they need that 16 million bump early and then they're willing to eat it in two thousand twenty four. It's kind of a trade off there. You just you do need that King's ransom to be worth it. And I'm not sure that you can sell Clark high right now because he's not had his best season, right? I don't see any reason that he can't return to that dominant form, that amazing, you know, impactful player that he was before you mentioned the dual role as a as a run stuffer, but also there's not that many defensive linemen who have the impact that he does in the passing game and rushing rushing the passer. So I think he's way more valuable to green Bay than even a couple of day two picks. Like, I mean, I just don't, I mean, you get two second round picks for Kenny Clark as a, def- you've talked about uh, the devaluation of the position. If a team gave up two second round picks, I feel like that would be a good haul for a defensive tackle. I just don't think that that's worth it for the Packers. So I'm out. I don't think that the Packers would value this, uh, but it's
3: interesting to kind of look at the money. Well, I completely agree with you. I, I think Kenny Clark's one of those pieces you, you just have to keep. But thought it was interesting to mention, anyways. Uh, the next one uh, is going to be running back Aaron Jones, and if the Packers traded him before June 1st, they would save $10 million. Mm. Uh, if they do a post June 1st trade, they actually get $16 million in savings in 2023. But then you add the five and a half million dollar cap charge of 24. I think it's a no-brainer to do it before June 1st. The the reality of the situation is Aaron Jones will not be back with this team at the current cap number. So either they're going to rework his deal, they're going to cut him, or they're going to trade him. Um, And, you know, for the return, I think the cap charge to a new team is not egregious when you look at a top-flight running back. So there may be some value here. You're certainly not getting the Christian McCaffrey deal, um, which, in fairness, no running back is worth, not even Christian McCaffrey. But, uh, Aaron Jones, who's going to be 29, that hurts a little bit, right? We mm-hmm. we don't see running backs yeah. excel past 30 very often. But he's not shown much wear and tear recently. And I think you could get either a second or a third-round pick for Aaron Jones. Yeah, it's hard to think of any running back in the league
2: right now that's performing at a high level that's 29. Like, I mean, what do we got? Uh, Derrick Henry's got to be pushing that number if he's not there already. And then I think Raheem Mostert is 30, but like, I mean, that's Mostert, right? Like, it's not like he's a, he's a two headed monster there in Miami. I don't know. Like, it's going to be really interesting. Aaron Jones, obviously just nominated for a Walter Payton man of the year. He's a player that nobody wants to see leave this organization because of the person he is because of the talent that he is. He's interesting because that cliff for running backs is supposed to be like that age 27, 28 is pushing it probably, but Jones is, he's really durable for his size. It's always amazing to me the way he runs through contact and he just always seems to bounce up. We know that like he has those ankle injuries, those things have happened, but he's been a durable player. Uh, he's a player who makes a lot of his money in the passing game as a receiver too. And I think he continues to play at a high level for another season or two in the NFL. But the question is for who, right? You just, you said it like if the Packers retain Rogers and they're trying to win one last playoff get into the playoffs, go on a run with 12, then I can see them working to rework this out and keep him in town. But the finances are tough. And being responsible with those finances to get younger at the position, let Dylan take a larger piece of the pie. Um, We know Jeff Wilson, that's the fifth-round pick, right? Rumors were that the Browns wanted a fourth. For Kareem Hunt. I would think that Jones could probably fetch a third or fourth from the right team that needs that impact player for a year or two. But this draft class, man, is loaded at running back. So I probably have lower expectations for what they get back for a 29-year-old running back. But Aaron Jones is certainly a player that's gonna be hard to see walk out the doors. But when you put all the money on the table and you figure out where's it gonna have to go to get guys like Elton Jenkins back in the door. It's just really hard to see Aaron Jones being a part of this team in 2023.
3: Yeah. Uh, So this is the last of the huge names, but uh, this one I had to get a little creative for, and that is cornerback Jair Alexander. Uh, a pre-June first trade loses the Packers four million dollars in cap space. So that's not smart, right? They just <laughs> they just re-upped Jair. They're gonna lose four million dollars trade them away. But a post-June first trade would gain them $14 million for 2023, but it carries a 2024 cap hit of 18 million. That's not ideal. Uh, and uh, you know, all of those numbers kinda of tough to swallow. But the return is is where you're going to get something back on your investment. Um, and yes, granted, this seems like the most unrealistic situation presented. But for a 26-year-old cornerback in his prime whose contract is going to look like a bargain soon and even better after he's traded, the return would have to be a first plus, right? Like a first and a future second or third.
2: Okay, so you're just going to have to stop here, and I almost booed you when you when you mentioned the <laughs> name Jair Alexander. I saw it in the show, Doc, and I was like, I can't believe he's actually going to say this. But, I mean, I get upset thinking about Jair leaving. The reason you bring this up, you said it, is because of the compensation you can get in draft picks. Like, are we in such a place as a franchise that you need those investments in other positions to redistribute the talent amongst your team? I think the answer is no, but that's why you would do it, right? You would take a first-round pick and an additional like second and throw that in places that you need it uh, to re-configure your roster. But Jair is a piece for the present. He's also a piece for the future. There's really no reason, kind of in the realm of a Kenny Clark, that you move on from this guy. He's a culture guy. Um, I think he brings good energy to
3: the defense. So I don't see any reason why you move on from Jair Alexander. Yeah. Um, The Rams gave up two first round picks to get Jalen Ramsey. Right. Yeah. Kind of a similar situation to cornerback that's in his prime all pro uh, top of the league. And the Jaguars have sort of not gotten anything out of those two first round picks. Mm -hmm. So there is always the cautionary tale. Right. Right. Well, you're getting those draft picks, but then you're trying to replace the player you just gave up. So I get that. I get that. Um, I'm going to fire off three really quick in a row. Uh, one is Edge, Preston Smith. The Packers can trade Preston, save $3 million. Um, that is the pre-June 1st. If they trade him after June 1st, they can actually save 10.6. And then there's a, a little bit of a cap charge going into 24. Um, Smith is somehow only 31 heading into next That's year. Like crazy. Preston. Yeah, he seems so much willing. Uh, he was playing the run really well, even his pass rush has fallen off a bit. But I think his play overall has declined throughout the season, um, as has his defense in general. So I think he might be able to get a fifth back if a team is willing to take on his contract for a year. Um, the next one is linebacker Devondre Campbell. And it's hard to deal because of all of the new money having just resigned him. But the Packers lose 3.7 million if they trade him before June 1st, or gain 5 million, but then have a 9 million dollar 24 cap charge. So Devondre would be a tough one to get rid of at all. I don't think you would get that much for him, right? He missed a lot of the year based on injuries, so you're probably looking at like a day three pick, maybe a fifth rounder if you want to be really optimistic. Probably not worth the cap trouble you're getting into, and the fact that you'd have to replace him. Um, and then cornerback Rasul Douglas. Same thing. A trade saves the Packers $3.2 million on, uh, But, you know, Douglas, up and down a little bit. I think his value increases by playing outside more. Um, the Packers could potentially get a fourth rounder back for him. I know some people are talking about Rasul maybe moving to safety, uh, which, of course, would help, uh, you know, his value as far as the Packers are concerned. Um, but whether at corner or safety, I, I don't know that, that a deal is worth going for.
2: Yeah. um,
3: I think Campbell stays a Packer.
2: I think the challenge of moving his contract and what he brings, the defense is valuable enough that he stays. Um, But I can see a world where the Packers look at Preston Smith and Rasul Douglas and decide that they think that they value $6 million in cap space over having those guys on the field. Now, that's probably not true at all if you're pushing for a championship in 2023. So how all these chips fall is going to have a huge say in this conversation you absolutely want those guys they're good players but if you hit that reset and you hit it hard then I think having that extra six million dollars to work with could be a big deal when you're going to get contracts done with young players like Elton Jenkins and so it could be painful to see those moves happen but I can see it I will also say we talked about Jair Alexander right and then we bring up another corner here I think Rasul Douglas is a player who played out of his mind last year, earned the contract that he got, hasn't played quite to that level this year. I think the Packers could look to retool that cornerback room a little bit, especially because they've kind of had to go, how do we get all of our best players on the field when we know maybe Rasul should be outside, but we're not sure if we want to put Jair in the slot a lot. We know that Stokes is going to be a primary boundary player. So if the Packers look at his contract and say, hey, we can get – you know, an early day three pick for him um, and we can save a little bit of money, maybe we just say that's worth it to us to go in a little bit of different direction because we want to rework that room. Um, But that would be, I think, an additional factor if they're just like, ah, we're not sure how this goes. And especially if it is a new defensive coordinator and how he wants to play his corners, that all factors into that as well. But um, an interesting group of names there. But I do, I can see it, man. Douglas and Preston Smith could have a hard time being on this team next year.
3: All right. So I wanted to kind of wrap this up by laying out a scenario for you. Um, All of the the pick projections that I'm using here are from Tankathon as of Thursday morning. So the numbers are going to shift, you know, probably not too much based on the Thursday night game outcome, but but certainly as the weekend goes on. But the Packers currently have the number 11 overall pick. Um, So. This is the scenario I'm laying out for you, Kyle. They trade Aaron Rodgers to the Indianapolis Colts for number nine overall and a third round pick. They also trade Jair Alexander to the Washington Commanders for the 18th overall pick and then either a second or third in 2024. They trade David Bakhtiari to the Cincinnati Bengals for their second round pick, which is slated at 57 overall. And then they trade Aaron Jones to the Miami Dolphins for a third-round pick, which they acquired from the New England Patriots, number 81 overall. Okay, also, just side note, Aaron Jones, add him to the Miami Dolphins uh, offense, and they might score 50 points a game. I was going to say, that's a great spot for him. <laughs> uh, I, I figured Mike McDaniel might like to him uh, a little bit of Aaron Jones. but uh, So in this case, the Packers would possess... Uh, three first round picks in 2023 number nine, number 11, number 18, two seconds and three thirds. Uh, And then they would also have an additional second or third in 2024. And then they move forward. You have Jordan Love replacing Rodgers, A.J. Dillon taking on a little bit more of a workload at running back. Zach Tom becomes the left tackle. And then you still have Rasul and Eric Stokes at cornerback. The Packers only would clear $8 million in cap space despite all of these trades because uh, we're doing these pre-June 1st. But they are going to have, uh, they will have to do some cuts and restructures to resign some of their own and sign the draft picks. They could do something like a post uh, June 1st cut on Preston Smith, save themselves 10.6 million dollars. That's going to go a long ways in getting somebody back. A couple other uh, smaller cuts, um, and and they might be able to, you know, not only squeeze Elton in, sign the draft class, those kind of things. Um, it does make everything more difficult though, and if some team like the Chicago Bears want to go out and make Elton a crazy offer, uh, they can do that and probably prime away from the Packers. However, this position, uh, this situation doesn't create any dead cap in 2024. If they get the long-term extension done with Jordan Love, the 2024 salary cap impact also wouldn't be too bad. Um, And because they don't have that dead cap, they are going to have a boatload of money in 2024. I didn't do that calculation, but I mean, we're talking <laughs> like a lot of salary cap room, which we haven't seen in green Bay in a very long time. Um, you could also um, send some of the 2023 picks and then defer those into 2024. Um, and if they decide they'd rather move on from Jordan love, well, you could trade him for whatever you can, and then you can draft a quarterback in number nine, or you have all sorts of draft compensation, And you can move up to get whoever they want. They could trade back and then, you know, bank assets to try to make a run at Caleb Williams in 2024. Like, is any of this likely? No. But (laughs) the compensation part, I think, is like close. It might be a little exaggerated. I think you corrected me on a couple. Um, But I, I think this gives us a structure of something the Packers could do or at least do a fraction of. So you talk about all of the cap space that they would have in
2: 2024. I have to ask you, like, what are they going to do with all that cap space when we know that free agents only come to Green Bay to play with Aaron Rodgers? So, like, I mean, there's another problem that we have on our hand. No, I'm joking. But um, I'm going to say not Jair. Like, I mean, I listen to your scenario intently. Sometimes I don't listen when you're talking, but... Right now, I I listen, listen, and I'm going to say I I think everything is plausible there, even as crazy as it is. I just don't think that they go full rebuild on defense when they have a a player of that caliber that can be so impactful far into a Jordan Love era. I think that he still has that value. Um, They might have to make some tough calls on people like Preston Smith, like we've said. But I think they tweak things. of the ball. I think they get a new coordinator and assume that that side of the ball is pretty close to being a good unit. And regardless of if it's Rogers or love having that defense in place is going to be really, really important within a year. I mean, two years, but maybe even a year that they're going to be like, we need to have that unit on the field. That said, I do think that they might be willing to make some sacrifices on the offensive side of the ball. That might be hard for us as fans to swallow. I think David Bakhtiari that make might. No one's going to like it, but it might make a lot of sense, right? I think an Aaron Jones trade could certainly help. And if they're able to pick up an extra first or second for Bakhtiari and an extra fourth for Jones, that could go a long way in their ability to draft some new pieces at positions like safety, which is going to be a huge need, which is a pain in the butt because nobody wants to draft a safety when you have all these other needs, but they have to, right? They have to add another wide receiver. They need some more weapons. Um, And then you can go out and you can get another running back to pair uh with someone like aj dylan now that jones is out of town so i'm not sure that the packers take the full nuclear option that you've proposed here um i think you need to calm down just a little bit right <laughs> he's, Andrews in his office like he's got like the whole like what's the the crazy meme of the guy with all of the uh, oh yeah charlie yeah, from
3: it's always sunny right in Philadelphia. right yeah
2: Exactly. That's that's Andrew right now with this. Um but but I do think it's really interesting to consider all of these things because it is gonna be a crazy off season. The moves are gonna be bonkers. No matter how prepared we are as fans for what's coming. I think that there's going to be a chance that we are all caught off guard in some way by several things that the Packers do just because the finances are going to force it. And just because we don't know exactly what direction this team is headed, especially as we go into 2023 and 2024 and who the quarterback going to be. So lots of things to consider. This is a fun exercise, Andrew. I'm
3: glad you put this together for us. Yeah, and I mean, even if you took my example, you take Jair completely out of it, and I, I actually agree with that. I, I mean, you you've talked me into it, although I was never that set on it to begin with. But I mean, you could could still look at the Packers potentially having two top half of the draft first round picks. Mm-hmm. They could have you know two, three, maybe four uh, day two picks, and then even adding into the day three stockpile. And then you go into that draft and you say, okay, well, we, we need some help on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need another running back at some point. Uh, we probably want to add to that wide receiver room, maybe a tight end on defense, like safety. Defense line's always helpful. Um, but you could add all of those things, given that draft capital um, and then you start to peek forward, right? you you're you're probably gonna be okay next year. The offense is serviceable. Um, maybe you get a little bit of an improvement from defense, just a, a regression a, a progression to the mean. Um, but but like then in twenty four, you have lots of opportunity. You have yeah. these young players developing. In addition, you have some money to spend. Um, all of those things are things that I think could be really exciting, right? It'd be exciting if they bring back the band again, right? They'll have to make some sacrifices. But if it's another year of Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I'll get on board with that. I did this year, but I just think this is another opportunity to look at. And, uh, you know, now that Kyle is torn apart my my fantasy GMing, I I wanted to mention that no matter what the offseason brings, we are going to be here to break it apart. And Kyle and I are all about roster building in the offseason. So I'm probably a month from starting to crank – up my uh, 2023 draft analysis. And and this class looks like it could be pretty solid on the defensive front and in the secondary, um, all important for Green Bay. And and there isn't maybe the same high-end receiving talent that we've seen in the last two years, but there is a considerable amount of depth. Kyle talked about the running back depth, which which seems great. I, I This is going to be a really good running back class. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and so that's going to be fun um and I, I think you know it's all going to be fascinating and just wanted to remind you all that we are a 365 day a year podcast and we are happy to keep you entertained throughout the off season but now we get to stop this foolishness and turn our attention back towards the actual games as green bay gets ready for a stretch of the la rams in green bay the miami dolphins on the road on christmas and then the Vikings and Lions in Lambeau Field, I think this is going to be exciting the end of the season.
2: It certainly is. And you know, after we did this entire exercise and we went through all this, the Packers will go on a four-game winning streak, and we'll <laughs> be talking about something crazy at the end. So, I mean, we can never predict it, but my, the next couple weeks are going to be a lot of fun. We're going to learn a lot about this team, and then it's going to take us into this wild offseason that we've talked about. So uh, stick with
3: us, and we'll take you into that offseason. It's going to be a good time. Absolutely, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the a Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday, and next week we'll be back with our key matchups and X-Factors for the Packers matchups against Baker Mayfield and the LA Rams. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember...